Welcome to Al Bernstein Unplugged Unboxing. In a 40-year Hall of Fame career, Al has chronicled some of the greatest moments in boxing history. On this podcast, you get to hear him expand on those memories and talk about the current news in the sport of boxing. You also hear Al interview some of the biggest names in the sport. Here's Al Bernstein Unplugged. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. Uh, on this episode, we're going to have a nice chat with one of the top 122-pound contenders in the world, Rais Alim. And to offer a different perspective than we might normally do, we're also going to include in the interview Marshall Kaufman, who is the promoter, the head of King's Promotions, uh, who promotes Rais Alim. And to give you a little bit of an idea of how that relationship works with a fighter seeking out a championship and how a promoter uh, moves the fighter along and uh, their relationship. Uh, and both Marshall and Rais are, are, are interesting and delightful guys. So I, I thought this conversation would uh, be an interesting one, and I think it, it really is. So we're going to have that conversation for you. And I'm going to also answer your questions. Now, you will note uh, on this broadcast or in this uh, podcast and uh, show that I am doing a solo because my good friend and partner, Trip Mitchell, is on a well-deserved vacation. Uh, so we will uh, miss him on this show, but I will do my best to carry on without him. Uh, and first up, let's delve into uh, one of the questions that we have. Here's question number one. Who did you most look forward to? covering in a boxing ring who is the fighter that you couldn't wait to commentate on well i can tell you that uh as i scanned my mind uh, when i saw this uh question the fighter that popped into my mind was diego corrales he was an exciting and interesting fighter who always presented something a little different of course we know the brawler diego corrales uh, who was in firefights with Joel Casamayor and then that brilliant fight with Jose Luis Castillo, probably the best fight that I have ever, ever announced. Um, so we know that Diego Corrales, but then there was the Diego Corrales who sometimes boxed effectively as he did in his second fight with Joel Casamayor. And of course, Corrales was vulnerable. So all his fights created drama where you wondered what would happen next. And so I, I might pick him as the one fighter that I, when I knew I was going to announce uh, a fight um, that uh, of his, that was going to be really, really interesting. So he would be uh, the man I'd probably choose. There are many other boxers, of course, that I've over the years that I've enjoyed doing, but his come to mind in terms of a body of work where every time I did him, I said, something is going to happen that is intriguing. Uh, question number two today is what is next for Terrence Crawford? Uh, who is his next likely opponent? Uh, this is a question that uh, boxing fans have been thinking about for sure. Uh, obviously, uh, we all are anxious to see Terrence Crawford and uh, Errol Spence fight. Based on the posturing uh, of the last few weeks, uh, it doesn't appear that that is on the horizon for the next fight, for sure, much to the chagrin of everyone in the sport of boxing. And before I get to who I think he will fight, let me make another statement that I have said before, but I'm going to accentuate it now. Boxing uh, 
always or frequently has a fight that appears difficult to make and doesn't get made for a longer period than it should and often sometimes doesn't ever get made. And while the people that are boxing fans are frustrated by it and annoyed at it, the casual sports fans and the mainstream sports media, not the people that cover boxing every day, they look at this and they say, well, look, boxing doesn't make any good fights. They can't make this fight. And it becomes the poster child of fights that aren't made. And the mainstream sports media that doesn't see all the good matches that are being made paints boxing with this broad brush. That's what this fight is. That is exactly what this fight is. So for the sake of the sport, I am hoping that at some point within the next year, that fight can be made. Whether it will, I don't know. Um, now to the question at hand, uh, Terrence Crawford. Uh, several weeks ago, his promoter, Bob Arum from Top Rank, uh, said that they are looking at two possible opponents. One is Manny Pacquiao, who, of course, might be fighting the last fight of his storied career. He's in his early 40s and uh, wants a bit, one more big fight. Uh, and that would, of course, be a fight of interest because even though Manny Pacquiao isn't quite the fighter he was before, he has shown that he still uh, is a formidable foe. And his name recognition and the fact that he is a uh, universal icon in the sport and somebody that transcends the sport in, in so many ways would make he, he and Crawford a, a very big fight. If that can't be made, Aram said the next target for them would be Sean Porter, uh, excellent welterweight who gave Errol Spence everything he wanted in their fight. And some people believe won that fight. Uh, that fight is on the radar. Of course, that would involve uh, the top-ranked folks working with Premier Boxing, uh, which doesn't happen very often, but it has happened. And uh, and the hope is that if the Pacquiao fight can't happen, the Porter fight would happen. I would love to see Terrence Crawford fight Sean Porter. I think it's a terrific fight. Uh, it would be fascinating and would be the best test that Crawford has ever had as a um, – as a welterweight. Uh, so, and I think it's important to be honest, fans want to see Terrence Crawford challenged. He's not been challenged as a welterweight very, by an A-level fighter. He just hasn't been. So no, I'm not criticizing him for that. Uh, but whatever the case, that hasn't happened. Some of that is boxing politics, etc. But we want to see that. And so uh, we would hope that, uh, you know, the, uh, the, Porter fight, at least, could possibly happen. Well, as I said at the beginning, uh, we are going to be chatting with Raiz Salim, 122-pound uh, contender in the world of boxing, a terrific young fighter, and uh, his promoter, Marshall Kaufman. Here's that discussion. Raiz, we're going to, I'm going to start with you. Uh, and uh, number one, congratulate you on your win uh, in January over Vic Pasillas, which uh, you had a TKO win in uh, uh, 11 rounds, and uh, that was an important win for you. Uh, do you think that seemed like a real uh, breakthrough win that would let everybody in the division uh, be on notice about you? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, uh, Vic Pasillas, he was a, a very tough fighter, a well-accomplished fighter. Undefeated. You know, so uh, 
for me to go in there and uh, dominate and get the win the way I did, uh, that speaks volumes. Yeah, he was an undefeated fighter coming in, a uh, very tough uh, out, many people believed, um, and uh, left-hander and uh, had brought a lot to the dance. And you're, you're in a division that the 122-pound division, honestly, I think it is the most talented division in the sport of boxing. I really do. More from 1 to 10 and beyond, all kinds of uh, good fighters. In a way, it's kind of a blessing for you to be in that kind of division now because there are many good big fights for you. Oh, yeah, 100%. There's a lot of great fighters in the division, and uh, it's my job to uh, be number one. You know, I think I'm the best pound-for-pound fighter in the division, and I'm I'm ready to prove that to, uh, to everybody. Well, you've certainly demonstrated that you're a, a force, that's for sure. And uh, and the man who uh, – I'm going to switch over to the man who uh, uh, has been guiding your promotional uh, uh, destiny. Uh, Marshall, uh, I, you have had several champions that you've promoted, Kermit Citron, Steve Little. Uh, are you confident that Reese is going to be one of them? Most definitely. I mean, he's already proven himself. Uh, and what's what's impressive about Raiz is that, you know, most guys, as they step up the level of opposition, which you know, Al, uh, you don't see the knockouts come. Yeah. Raiz has stepped up his level of opposition and knockouts have been coming. Uh, <clears throat> when uh, so, so to me, that's impressive. You know, the tougher fight he fights, the better he looks. So uh, I think that, you know, the uh, the sky's the limit for him. Now, how did you guys hook up? Well, how did uh, 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 Raiz become a part of your uh, King's Boxing Promotions uh, family? Well, what had happened was uh, his manager, Terry, had reached out to me, who's like a, a longtime friend, father figure uh, uh, that's been around Raiz for many years, and reached out to me and said, hey, we want to fight on uh, with King's Promotions. So I said, okay. I said, you know, 122-pound Division's tough. It's harder to find smaller guys. He says, well, you have a guy named Marcus Bates. We'd love to fight him. And at the time, Raiz was 10-0. Bates was 8-0. And I said, all right, you sure? And he says, yeah, most definitely. I said, all right, I have a show in Philly. They came. And sure enough, he he shined. And he, he beat uh, Bates over an eight-round period. Uh, and uh, from there on, you know, I put him in fights. And he's been stopping everybody since. He went the distance with Bates that first fight. And then uh, after that, every fight that I put him in, he was been, you know, stopping guys, guys who haven't been stopped. Uh, and then the show that you came in and worked with us, uh, he had stopped a guy within in the first round that uh, Roman took, I think, five rounds to stop, five or six rounds. And so so I think Raiz started showing what his abilities were as the fights were getting tougher and tougher. Uh and he's proved his point. I mean, just with Vic Pasillas alone, he showed what he's capable of doing. Yeah, Raiz, you're uh, one of the things that you showed in the Pasillas fight that you were able to withstand somebody with a really good offensive arsenal. And you never had a moment in that bout, it didn't seem to me, where you were at all flustered. You were just very confident and poised and uh, you felt like every moment you were going to be in control of things. Yeah, you know, I feel like that kind of uh, goes back to uh, my karate background, you know. Just, yeah, uh, your, dad, your dad was a karate coach, and that's, that's kind of how you got into boxing, right? 
That's that's exactly how. Yeah, got my black belt and I started boxing, but, uh, you know, taught me discipline and how to be humble, but keeping my poise, you know, um, I've been hit low before, but I fought through it. I've been cut before to where blood's coming in my eye, but I'm staying focused, you know, so it's just keeping your poise and um, sticking to the game plan. Well, and you were, it, when you were younger and you were doing the uh, karate and then you got into boxing, now you had five brothers and a whole bunch of stepbrothers and stepsisters, uh, and, uh, and and most of them were in music, right? But you gravitated to boxing. Was that primarily because of the karate? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've been involved in sports my whole life, but uh, yeah, once I went to the boxing gym, it just stuck. You know, I, I, at the time I sparred the, the best kid at the time and I beat him up and that was like my first day in the gym, you know? So I just kind of stuck with it and boom, here I am knocking on the door to a legit world title. Yeah. Now, now you had a layoff in 2016 to 2018. Was that uh, because of the injuries you had or, or, or because of uh, the usual issues with boxing politics? Uh, I think it was boxing politics. You know, yeah. I fought my first undefeated fighter when I was 3-0. and uh, And after that, nobody would fight me. You know, uh, I never had anybody behind me to buy me fights. You know, I never fought in Mexico. You know, I had a hard road to get to where I am. And then I got signed with a big-time manager, and I had a few fights, and then boom. Went, like, I went two years without a fight at two different times in my career. That's Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's that's extremely hard. And you're and, and but you 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 have a lot of uh, mental discipline and perseverance, and it seems like that is part of what got you through. And you're a young thirty; you're thirty years old, but you have not uh, been. You know, you've you've not been in wars. You've not taken punishment, and so I would think uh, you feel like you're at a good stage where you're poised for some good things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm yet to be challenged each and every time I've stepped up. I've not only won, I've dominated. You know, I'm ready for what comes next. You put me in with the best right now. I'll beat them. I haven't been in wars. I take care of my body. I'm aging like wine. You know, it's like, <laughs> shit, you know what? Marshall and I like to feel like we're aging like wine, too. But I don't know if we can. I don't think we can convince ourselves that at this point about that. <laughs> um, Marshall, you uh, um, does it give you a feeling? Uh, uh, now, you've got 30 fighters that you're or almost 30 fighters, I guess, involved in your promotional company that you have to to push their careers along and keep them busy and all the rest. Is it really, is it like a, a big uh, thing for you to have a world champion and uh, for you to be promoting somebody that's a world champion? I would think that really helps your promotional company overall. Oh, most definitely. I mean, it's like uh, when a fighter becomes a world champion, their status changes. You know, they uh, more money, more opportunities for sponsorships. And I think it goes the same way with a promotional company. You know, as you build and have numerous world champions, uh, things change. Other fighters want to sign with you. Other fighters see what you have the ability to do and how much you care about your fighters or how you move them. Uh, and I think it, it definitely makes a huge difference. So I'm excited about what the future holds for Raiz, along with the number of other fighters I have. And uh, it's only continuing to grow out. And it's, it's also a matter of how much passion and dedication you put into it. You know, I mean, I was a fighter myself. Yeah. Uh, and then your son, I, and I, your son was a heavyweight and I, contender. And I, and I became a coach then 
and started training fighters. And I went from training to being a manager to being a promoter. And I, I think whatever you do, whether it's from boxing to being a trainer to being a manager, you have to have passion for it. And you have to want to be your very best. And not just for you, but for the team, for everybody that's involved. And, you know, like Raiz, I mean, I, and I'll say it to, about Raiz, I'll say it about the other guys. I, I love the fighters I have. I, I love the, the work ethic and what they put into it. And there's, there's those certain guys that you push a little bit harder for only because they push harder, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Raiz is one of those guys that he, he works hard and, and he's not afraid to take any challenges. And that's what, as a promoter, he makes my job easy. You know, it's not like I have to pick and choose who he fights. He wants to fight the best because he wants to be the best. And right now, I believe that he is the best at 122 pounds in the world. So let's talk about what's next for him. Uh, what, number one, have you guys looked at uh, what the challenges do you, now he's rated number two by the WBA. Uh, and actually, I number, last, actually number one, Al. Oh, number one. I'm sorry. Okay, that's right. He moved to number one because of the win he got. Right. Sorry. Uh, but uh, so he's right in line for a world title. It, where do you think that world title shot will come for him? Well, you know, of course, we work closely with PBC and Al Heyman. So uh, we're looking at possibly July um, as I had some conversations today about it and uh, who it is. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I think Figueroa is going to actually move up and move out of the weight division altogether. Oh, really? Yeah, so I don't think Figueroa is going to be there at 122. I think he'll probably move up to 126. And with Raiz there, I don't blame him for moving up. Yeah. You know? uh, but I, in my opinion, I think the only other the other uh, fighter that's in that division uh, that is probably one of the other ones on the same lines as, as Raiz, that would be Stephen, Stephen Fulton. Fulton's a very good fighter, very well conditioned, uh, you know, and he can and he can fight. He can he can he can box. Uh, he just don't have the punch uh, that Raiz has, and I don't think he can take it like Raiz can. So, and that that being said, I just think Raiz is the best fighter in that division. You know, there's a couple of other ones in there that are tough, but I don't think any of them on the same uh, ability as Raiz. Raiz can box southpaw, orthodox, either way. And I think what separates Raiz and, and and you know, Al, you've been watching fighters for years. He not only does he have fast feet, and and uh, not only does he have good punching power and fast hands, he has fast feet to go with it. And he always keeps himself within the perfect range. And I don't know if that comes from his his karate background or what, but his feet are amazing. Yeah, and that's true. And and now you mentioned Stephen Fulton. Does that mean you could Reyes could challenge him for his title that he just won against Leo? Most definitely. You know. Uh, you think in July? Do you think July will be a title shot? Yes. Oh, yes, okay. I do. I really That's do. That's great. You know, uh, so it's you know we're excited about it. You know, we really are. We want to make things happen. I didn't even get to tell Raiz about that yet. So he's learning about it right now as we're talking. That's great, Raiz. That's got. Does that feel? That feels pretty exciting to you, huh? Oh yeah, it feels good. You know, uh, it's been a long time coming. I've been knocking on the door for a while. I'm every fight that I've been in, I train like it's a world title fight. You know, that's why I'm able to uh, perform the way I do, you know? So I'm just ready to reach that next level and uh, put on a great performance.
Now, he mentioned Stephen Fulton, who won the IBF champion. He's a very talented fighter. He and Angelo Leo put on a terrific fight on the same card that you fought against Vic Pacias. That was actually and, the WBO, Al. Forgive me. Oh, I'm sorry. WBO. I'm saying IBF. Thank you for correct. That's the second time I, I made a mistake that you corrected. So without you, I would be nothing, Marshall. I think we've established that. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So his, his title, uh, Raiz would be an interesting one. When you look at Stephen Fulton, now he fought a different fight against Angelo Leo than some people thought he would. He was standing in there with Angelo Leo. The question is, I guess, and you probably have an opinion on this, if he fought you, would he be able to do that fight as an offensive fighter like that? No. Uh, the reason he wouldn't be able to is because although Angelo Leo is a, a great fighter. Yeah. He's not, uh, he doesn't have big power, right? you know? So he, he's not a dangerous puncher. So right. you could take a lot of chances fighting a fighter like Angelo Leo. Yeah. With me, you, you know, you, you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's a very good point. Uh, so you might see Stephen Fulton, the boxer, when you face him, huh? I, I would assume so. But um, it, it doesn't matter what he brings to the table when he steps in with me, he won't be able to do to me what he's been able to do with other guys. Okay. You know, uh, I, I believe that's another fight that I would not only win, that I would still dominate. Yeah, interesting. Um, Marshall, you, uh, as a promoter who promotes, um, you know, you've promoted all over in Houston, in Philadelphia, at casinos all around the, the country. Um, these last months uh, have been very challenging, you know, uh, even... Even when boxing came back, it came back for TV. It didn't come back for the mid-level shows that you need to keep those 30 fighters active and to get to get to 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 make money for your promotions. How challenging has this period been for you? Without a doubt, very challenging, very challenging. So, you know, and, and if it wasn't for my relationship with PBC, uh, who knows if Raiz would have been able to fight or, you know, Michael Coffey and uh, some of the other guys I have that have fought on those, uh, those stages, my son. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, so I'm very fortunate and thankful for my relationship that I have with PBC. Uh, but the, uh, so, so it's been challenging. It really has been. And, and, you know, there's other guys who are paying to put their fighters on other cards and that's not something I'm looking to do and I won't do uh, for certain reasons, but, the uh, so so it's been challenging. I had a show scheduled for November, uh, and for the first fight back from the pandemic, and the mayor of Philadelphia shut it down because their numbers went higher, so they right. shut everything down again for fans. So now I have my next show scheduled for June fifth, which by that time hopefully will be at about fifty percent with the vaccine being out and people are getting it and. And I, I just think things are starting to open up a little bit more, which is great. And I think we need that for boxing. And, you know, there's been stories about Top Rank doing their show in front of fans again, PBC doing their shows in front of fans. So I, it's starting to open up, and uh, which, which makes all of us excited, in my opinion. You know, yeah. who doesn't like to fight in front of fans? Of course. And of course, it's necessary for those shows. I mean, you're doing shows that aren't necessarily that aren't televised in some cases. You have to have the fan. You have to have the commerce of people paying uh, ticket money to come in and see it. So uh, we're all anxious for that. Yeah, no, we did. We did a show a year ago. Well, yeah, February 14th, we did a show box card 
And then we did uh, February 8th, six days prior to that, we did the Showtime card in right. Allentown, Pennsylvania. And so uh, so we did those shows. But then after that, you know, in March, I had a show scheduled. And that's when the pandemic hit and everything got shut down. So um, I've been trying to work and make things happen yet. And for some of the fighters and, and it's for those fighters who really want to fight that the opportunities are still there. Yeah. Um, I hope that uh, that July championship fight uh, that um, Rice is going to be having, I hope it's on Showtime because I hope I get a chance to uh, announce that. Well, he does. He does extremely well under your announcing. <laughs> I don't think I. <laughs> I'll raise. Do, do, do I contribute to your performances just by being there at ringside? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, you make you make, uh, you make me show up and show up. All right. Somehow, somehow, I don't. I don't think I really add much to it. But, uh, uh, but I'll tell you what. You've certainly um, uh, shown us uh, in the fights you've had on Showtime and other. Uh, venues what you're all about and uh and it's an exciting time race i know for you to be finally at the stage after these setbacks that you talked about where you can look forward to being a major player in the division and and it sounds to me like you have uh, a lot of confidence about your ability to do it uh and that is an important factor isn't it yeah, it is. I mean, I, I put in the work. Uh, I'm, I'm consistently getting better each and every time I step in the ring. I'm getting better and better. I haven't reached my ceiling. Uh, at the end of the day, when Raisa Lima is on the card, you want to see me fight. You know, I'm an action fighter. Uh, you know, you might see some things you've never seen before, you know? <laughs> you are unique. You have a very unique style. It is... Um... You can't, somebody can't label you a boxer puncher. They can't label you a puncher. You have a style that varies in between all that. And you, I think, give people problems in the ring because of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can be a conventional fighter. I can choose to be an unconventional fighter. I can choose to be an awkward fighter with skill, you know. So uh, I, I pride myself on being diverse. I can do whatever the situation calls for yeah, well, good luck to you. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm happy that you're going to get a chance, hopefully, in July to fight for a world title. That'll be very, uh, uh, just be a terrific opportunity for you and will further enhance that 122-pound division, I'm sure, because all the champions in that division are superb fighters, and you're a great fighter, so whoever, whichever one you would face, it would be good. And, Marshall, I wish you the best uh, in uh uh, in your promotional activities coming up. Thank you, Al. I appreciate it very much, and we always look forward to seeing you. All right. It's great. Well, it, uh, likewise, feel the same way for sure. And, Raiz, good luck to you in your coming championship fight. All right. Thank you. All right. So that was the conversation with Raiz Salim and Marshall Kaufman. I think you can see Raiz is a very confident young man, but an ingratiating one. It's, it's, it, he is great to talk with, and uh, that confidence is what is pushing him uh, to the top in the sport of boxing. And we'll see if he becomes a world champion and if that opportunity that presumably is going to come in July will lead to that uh, championship. Uh, we are going to have as our next guest on the show, uh, one of our next guests, uh, a boxing ch former boxing champion, Regis Progre, is going to be joining us. Uh, he, of course, was a 140-pound champ and hopes to be again. 
He is going to be fighting Ivan Redcatch on the April 17th Triller uh, Fight Club card, um, which is uh, uh, co-promoted by Triller and also its co-creator is Snoop Dogg, who, of course, we uh, had on this show talking about that card. And the other fight on that card, the main fight, is going to be Jake Paul and Ben Askren. Uh, that is, uh, Ben, of course, is a, f- a former M- MMA uh, star, and he will be fighting Jake Paul, the uh, YouTube personality turned boxer. Uh, ben is going to also visit with us on our next episode and chat with us about that fight and uh, how he's making a transition into a different sport. So we hope that you'll join us. We also hope you'll check out uh, a friend of ours, uh, his channel, his uh, uh, YouTube channel, uh, Tommy Ankello, who has uh, a fine YouTube channel called World Class Boxing with videos that are not only informational and instructional, uh, but also tell you something about the sport of boxing overall and how it is practiced by both amateur and professional boxers. Well, we will. Uh, I want to thank Rai Salim and uh, Marshall Kaufman for joining us on this show. Thanks to the Let's Do Something production folks for making this show possible. And we will see you next time.